this week, Tony Soprano looks younger, literally younger. Rita Moreno hasn't aged a day in 50 years, and time catches up to an acting legend. Think you know which celebrity we're talking about? Over the next hour, you'll hear about gangsters, singers, dancers, and thespian royalty. I, I said thespian. We start 2022 off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, even though Clint Eastwood is not on our radar this time around. But we are going to talk about an actor in their 90s. He is my favorite gangsta, and I just met a girl named Maria. Happy New Year from two real reviewers. Well, welcome to 2022 and getting back into it. Are you, are you as pumped as I am? I am. We could probably spend all of our time today talking about the news about actors and acting professionals that have uh, come into play in the first 10 days of this new year. Well, I mean, tell me, you know, we joked, not joked, I don't want to ever use the word joke when it comes to death, but we made a text message back and forth after, you know, obviously Betty White and then uh, Sidney Poitier. And then I said, who's number three? You know, and then literally 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, I think it was, you know, we, we lose, you know, Bob Saget. And it's just, it's always in threes. It's amazing it, it, to know that. I mean, and I think the sequences, I, of, I think the sequences of threes are going to continue to, you know, stack together or be really close, close by one another, because with as many actors uh, celebrities, uh, athletes, mm. politicians, who are, people that are in the public spotlight, there, there's a long list of them, right? right. When we were kids, we, we, we knew who the, the trendy celebrities were and we, we followed them. There's so many now. Well, that, I it's so much in your face. Well, it is. And for us in that 50-something mm. genre mm. with the the actors that we we looked up to and and enjoyed watching when we were kids and in our 20s and as young adults everybody's getting older right. you and i are getting older <laughs> and scary. you get you know you you get some people like a betty white a sydney poitier that m make a run into their 90s and i made a reference to clint eastwood who by the way is getting ready to direct another movie wow, wow. which is just fantastic and then you have somebody like Bob Saget that's 30 years younger than Sidney Poitier. 94 is a great run. Right. Oh, geez, it's great. 65? 65? I think you got shortchanged. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. It, and it scares me to death. I mean, speaking of, of actors who have passed, the first movie that I'm going to actually review today James Gandolfini, who is this movie's about his character from The Sopranos, um, he passed when he was 51 years old. 51. So it, it's amazing how you have that, you know, and again, it goes back to that same thing that we said. It's, we, you know, back when we were growing up, we knew of the of the top crews, you know, the ones that we saw on television. But now these celebrities are so many of them and so around and you see, you know, all the ones that we watched growing up are starting to pass. Right. That's that's unfortunate. So, well, it's it's going to provide us at least today with the opportunity to, to spend some time talking about Betty White. Mm -hmm. This was already in production before we got the news about Bob Saget and about right. Sidney Poitier. So unfortunately, it we may be at a trend where 
uh, Monty gets one movie, uh, Rod gets uh, a movie to review, and the third movie is going to be about someone that just passed away. Right, and we, and you know, and then we'll we'll do that with with you know Poitier uh, next week uh, when we do our podcast, and obviously you know Bob Saget, even though you know most of Bob Saget's movies were where our fame comes from television right um but you know we'll we'll you know have to go through these and then you know we didn't get a chance to finish out 2021 uh the way you and i wanted to just with both um new positions and new companies and it's got us got us had to put put a pause on our podcast but uh we're heading off to 2022 so here we go go indeed and we we've we've we have it's it, we may have not been on the air with you mm -hmm. uh ladies and gentlemen but uh, we have seen plenty of movies so we we probably could skip going to the theater for maybe a month or six weeks we've got plenty of content to to keep us occupied uh, at the very beginning of this year mm -hmm. uh and there's some really really great movies that have been out there especially during the holidays and one that you chose uh, to lead things off this week uh, is—is this referred to as a, a prequel? It's the yes, it's a prequel to The Sopranos. Yes. Now, I recently went on a, a binge right before winter break um, with my son, and he, you know he was watching them. He, all of his roommates, Benjamin in, in Norwich, Ben, all of his roommates and guys that he hangs out with are from Jersey. Even though they're in Vermont, he's in Jersey. So my son's picked up one, an accent, and two, a love for the Sopranos. So he's got me into watching it, and I binge watched, and I didn't realize. I mean, Sopranos is only six seasons. I, I thought it was longer, um, but uh, when they came out with the Many Saints of New York and did this, uh, you know, nineteen sixty-seven uh, version of a young Tony Soprano. Anywho, <laughs> um, 1967, a young Tony Soprano is uh, coming up. He's 10, 12 years old in this movie, and then he is then turned and played by, actually, James Gandolfini's son plays his, uh, his, uh, plays his younger dad, basically, um, on here, which I thought was really unique to have, um, you know, David Chase go and get his son to play him. And then to also to give you a little bit of a tidbit, uh, the the son uh, get, uh, never watched his dad in The Sopranos. He never watched it. And so he started to watch it so that he could make this movie. Um, he wanted to get down some of the, the characteristics of what his dad would play when he was older. He would play it as a teenager, and that's what he did. Um, the story basically is about the young Tony Soprano who is uh, following around his uncle, which is uh, Dickie uh, Malasanti, uh, also known, um, and then his, his father, Hollywood, uh, 
Montesanti and they and their new bride. Um, the new bride is played. Her name is Giuseppia, and I, I got to get her name right. She is absolutely just gorgeous, and she and there it is well, the no, first. I, the 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 the, the, the oh. we're off to <laughs> we're we're off to a we're off to a wonderful start. Consistency, ladies and gentlemen, is key when doing this podcast. So so, Michaela D. Rossi. But when you see her in this movie, your first initial thought is that's Penelope Cruz. That's who it reminded me of. So when you get a chance to watch, I don't know if you had have had a chance to watch this, Rob. But if you do, you'll know it right off the bat. Now. The movie itself was a decent movie, and it, it really got into answering some of the questions of The Sopranos. And again, folks, there are spoilers here, as we always talk about. So if you haven't seen this movie, um, I recommend that you see it, but I also recommend that you st stop listening to me because I'm going to tell you some spoilers here. Um, the the father, Ant uh, Tony Soprano's father, was played by John uh, Berthenol, uh, which is John, he's Johnny Soprano. And... I don't think he fit the character very well. Uh, a lot of people know John Berthenol from different movies that he has done, TV shows. Uh, he was one of the original characters in Walking Dead. Um, he's also was in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street and Baby Driver. He's done some great movies, The Accountant. Uh, however, and he didn't fit the role for me to be what anybody would think Tony Soprano's dad was like. Um, uh, Dickie Molisanti, who is the father of Chris Molisanti, who is is in the in the TV show uh, Sopranos, um, he is played by Alessandro Navola, and who is, I mean, he played a really good role, and I really liked his character, and I kept searching through my brain trying to figure out who he was, only to find out that he was one of the characters in Jurassic Park Three that I really liked that ended up. Um, dying but anyways <laughs> um the movie itself is just following the young life and, and answering questions that a lot of people had um there was some it was back in the late 60s early 70s where there was a lot of racial tension as well um the african-americans were coming up they were they were getting into some of the the drug business and they were getting into some of the mafia business and the mafia was you know so there was a lot of racial commentary between the two and i it kind of bothered me um however it, it was the time um so but there was some things that went on in there there was a riot in there there was a lot that happened in those time periods and and you know D david chase has no problem um you know, having these things brought to the forefront, and and he did writing this. Uh, reading into it, Chase was thinking about directing this movie himself, um, and he chose not to. He chose to um, to to just be a writer and a consultant on there. You know, everybody knows him from The Sopranos, and so uh, he had Alan Taylor, uh, who who directed it. Um, did and, and again, directing wise, did a good job. Alan Taylor's done Game of Thrones. He's done Thor. He did Terminator, uh, Genocide. He's he's done a few a, a few movies that he has been a director of, and and you know is really good at what he does. Um, but this movie itself, I can see why the ratings of it had come out to be about a six and a half on on the database. It it answered questions, and if you're a Soprano fan, it it you know. You got to see where all your favorite characters of Soprano came from. However, the movie itself dragged a little bit. Um, you know, Ray Liotta played a 
dual character. He played twin brothers in the movie. It kind of felt like that was a stretch uh, to have in there. I think it was uh, uh, Dickie Molasanti was who killed him. It was his, you know, one, one Ray Liotta is his uncle and the other one is his dad. And he ends up killing his own dad. Um, and then tries to visit his uncle to make amends for killing his dad by doing nice things for him and by being a saint. So, um, you know, I guess is, is penance for it. But the, the writing, it wasn't, like I say, great job answering questions and seeing what we wanted to see. But the movie itself couldn't hang on its own. If there was no Sopranos, this movie would have flopped even bigger than it did. Um, so the only reason why people went out and watched this film and wanted to watch this film is because they, you know, were looking for answers and to see where the Sopranos came from. But it didn't hold up. It just didn't hold up. And, and I, I recommend you watch it if you're a Soprano fan. If you're not a Soprano fan, then don't watch it. It's no real need to. It's not going to make you go watch The Sopranos. Um, it, it, it's more vice versa. Usually a prequel will want to make you watch it, you know. So, anywho, um, I, I would have to honestly sit back and say I give it two and a half. Uh, popcorns and, and and two and those are both for um the the role of the played by uh what's his name i'm so sorry i just said his name again um it's hard to pronounce alessandro nivola he did a great job and he actually was up for a few awards uh that he didn't get um and outside of that his there was no other real character that i would even ray liotta kind of didn't do well for me in this movie well we love ray liotta mm -hmm. Uh, in oh. just about in just about anything but does this not typecast ray liotta well, another yeah. gangster in another gangster movie you know it's it's funny that you say that because one of my favorite movies comedy is called date night and i don't know if you have seen it but uh it, it's a comedy and mark Wahlberg's in it and and uh, a guy from the office, I can't think of his name right now, but anyways, Ray Liotta plays a bad guy on there, a mafia bad guy. And it's just so, you know, he does, he fits these roles and, and you know, good for him, I guess. I mean, he's made a living out of it, but in this movie, you know, he plays an older character, but he, he just, it was stupid of him. He, it was, he, it was very degrading to a very beautiful woman, uh, his new wife, uh, Michaela Di Rossi, also known as Penelope Cruz's twin. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he's degraded. You know, he loves her and, and he married her, but it was all about being a trophy wife and he treated her bad. The only part, the, okay, so, so let me reverse back here. Ray Liotta marries her he, and, and Dickie Molasanti is his son. Dickie falls in love with his stepmom, ends up killing his dad and getting with the stepmom and right before they're about to have sex she somebody knocks on a door and she says motherfucker excuse my language folks so sorry i'm just quoting the movie and she looks at him and says i like that word i like what it means Oof. and i'm like that's kind of i mean i get it their stepmom but that's a little insensuous to me and i just kind of was thrown off by that it just really bothered me. I didn't care how hot she was. Um, but anywho, um, I just thought like that stuff like that, like that scene didn't need to be in there. 
it, you know, it didn't mean you can have the relationship or whatever. You killed your, you killed your dad and took his bride, but you can't, there weren't, there was stuff in there for being a two hour film. It could have went out at one thirty and still been a good movie or filled it with something completely different. So do again. you think, do you think that the, the, the expectation for this movie, the bar was set pretty high considering that I, I, I don't know anybody that has ever said a bad word about the Soprano show. Well, you know, you know, Sopranos, you know how it ended, right? Right. They go into a diner, you know, he's got people after him and all of a sudden it goes black. So I think people would be more interested if you would have done a Soprano movie, not a prequel, but a continuation to see what happened to Tony Soprano and his family. Did he get shot and killed? Did his family all get murdered at that dinner table? Or, you know, the way that it ended in, in you know, I've read articles and, and listened to interviews from Chase and he's basically said it leaves it up to us. Right. Uh, people don't want it left up to them. You know, similar to the most recent James Bond film. We don't want it left up to us. Either either do it or don't do it. You know what I mean? So if you do something like that where you leave it up to us, you have to come back with something that's going to answer that question down the line. You can't do it like you're a prequel. Now you've answered stuff that was in the in the TV show. Like, how did, you know, Chris's dad die? Well, now you know. You know, how did... Uh, why Why is, you know, the uncle in this one, in The Sopranos, such a jackass? I mean, why is he so rude? Now you find out what was done to him when he was, you know, a younger man. I mean, so there's a lot that those questions are answered, but there's still that one hanging one of what happened to the Soprano family. And yeah, you gave us a prequel and everybody was hyped to see it. But yes, it did come out on HBO Max. Box office only drew 12.7 million. The budget for the movie was 50 million. I'm pretty sure HBO Max covered the rest of that production cost. I don't think it's made any really great, you know, money, but it just wasn't, you know, again, it's another movie that struggles during the COVID release. And two, it's, it's just too much hype for it. Again, I love the fact that you know, I got to see where Paulie came from and I got to see where, you know, Chris came from and I got to see, you know, all of those characters, but it's unfortunate that we don't get the real answers we were looking for. Well, that is unfortunate because when they announced that um, James Gandolfini's son mm -hmm. was going to play Tony in, in this prequel, Mm -hmm. I, I got, I thought that that was a stroke of genius. I thought, oh, what a, what an interesting, I mean, you talk about mannerisms mm -hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. He had to have, he had to have been the perfect choice for it. Aside from the fact that what you're telling us is that he didn't watch the Sopranos when his dad was, you know, was right. at the top of his game at the top of his game. Yeah. No, and, he was doing that and, series. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Michael Gandolfini, the, the, the character that he, you know, he plays, obviously, you know, Anthony Soprano didn't portray him the way I felt it should be. Now, for example, he gets into a fight with a friend of his. He smashes a sandwich, but then his friend fights back and then they wrestle around a little bit. Um, the real Tony Soprano was known to be a badass. It will knock your shit to the ground in one punch. He didn't have that characteristic in him. 
he didn't have that personality in the movie and, and i don't know why because if you're that when you're older you were that when you were younger it's not some somewhere down the line a light switch went off so when his uncle um uh, uh dickie molasati didn't want him to hang around with him at the end of the uh, show tony soprano went off crying threw his speakers out the window because they were gift from from Dickie and he throws I don't I don't want anything and he's crying that wasn't that's not Tony Soprano even like I said you can't tell me oh he grew up and became a badass you're a badass when you're born especially when you're born into that life it's so part I of your hard wiring I, yeah I, I think for me I think they just missed out they missed out on that they could have played that character uh the younger Tony Soprano in his teenage years a little more of a badass and he didn't he didn't play it that way so well I know that you had. I, I know that you were looking forward to to starting the new year off with with a bang. Mm -hmm. part, pardon the pun. Uh, sorry that it did not work out um, that way. Is it but... me though? Is it me, Ron? Or, or are we stretching so hard to try to make movies, these monster movies, to be successful like a Goodfellas, uh, in Casino, and The Departed? And you reach so hard now, you fail. Like they failed here, they failed at the Irishman. You know, there's. It's. I just think that they're trying to strike gold again, but you're trying to live up to something you will never reach. Well, there are very few, uh, in my opinion, uh, home runs when it comes to those gangster movies, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned Goodfellas, right? right. That, that's certainly one of them. Um, the Irishman was the, the very first movie that you and I uh, ever reviewed right? when we came up with this podcast. Um, and, Remember and, my disappointment? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and mine too, for, for a myriad of reasons. And, you know, this got De Niro in it. You know, yeah. there, there are some things that are supposed to be, uh, you know, automatic. The Irishman was not automatic. Joe Pesci uh, in, in, in The Irishman was not automatic. Harvey Keitel, Al Pacino. I mean, that, that movie had a star-studded cast. This one didn't. I mean, outside of Ray Liotta and a few of these, you know, I don't want to say lower line, but they weren't, you know, they're all second-tier actors in a sense to me. They're not going to headline a movie. So I, I get it. I mean, so you have two, two of the most recent mobster movies, mafia movies, excuse me, one with the star-studded cast and it failed, and then one with an underlining cast and it still didn't hold up. So, well, you know. and and you, the the you and I can can review movies as as <laughs> long as the day is around. True, but if it's not making money uh, in the box office or via streaming service, it it's not going to be successful. And well. and this this one obviously did not. Well, there is a couple there now. There's a possible sequel. Chase has expressed interest in producing a sequel to it um, that will follow Tony Soprano in his 20s. I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. Um, you know, and and there was again some critical responses to it. Uh, the streaming viewership uh, actually because of COVID and, and being up, it was viewed one million times during the first opening weekend. So now that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it outperformed similar budgeted films like Reminisce and Cry Macho that released also on, on HBO Max with a, a Warner a Warner uh, Media stating it was streamed three times more than the second most viewed film of the weekend. So, so I mean, it tells you a little bit right there. Well, we go from one 
established known entity mm -hmm. into another, although it's been a few years since we've heard about West Side Story. So I was the most intrigued about seeing this movie, well, for a number of reasons. First of all, it's a musical. Mm -hmm. so you, you got the hook right there, <laughs> right? I thought we had issues with musicals at one point, didn't we? We did. We were on hiatus <laughs> from them for a long time because it seems like we were doing way too many of them. I think it's when we let our wives and daughters tell us what we were doing, right? Yes, um, and I'm very good at letting my wife tell me what to do most of the time. But when it comes to the movies thing, yeah, I'm, I, I, I think I think being able to go in a different direction, at least to to hit the pause button on on some of these musicals, was certainly certainly appropriate at the time. But what what really got my interest is that Steven Spielberg did this movie, and this this movie's been in the works for years, and I, I was. I kept thinking to myself, Steven Spielberg, he's going to do a musical, right? He's, he's going to do singing and dancing. How, how is he going to do singing and dancing? How is he? I don't know that he's ever done anything close to singing and dancing, right? Right. So I was intrigued because Spielberg, he's on that Mount Rushmore of producers and directors. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. So. Could he really goof it up that much? Well, for you newbies out there, please understand that I have an automatic defense about seeing something that's a, a redo, a relaunch, uh, a new look at, at, at something that was done years ago, right? I think we're going to get to Spider-Man at one of these points in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <clears throat> but for the purposes of, of, of uh, this review today, under normal circumstances, I would go, no, not interested, because right. if you've never seen the 1961 version of West Side Story, do yourself a favor and, and find it and, and, and watch it. Um, it's 50 years old, but the movie holds up at the time. Right? I, I could go back and dissect what might have been wrong with the original right. but that's not today's show today's show is about what steven spielberg did uh with, with this classic with this classic and most of the time i'm i'm trying to get hollywood to come up with something original but right. when, when it's spielberg <laughs> who isn't curious about it doesn't it seem odd I mean, it, it, for it's what not, we know, Spielberg to be to Spielberg is done, well, and then he, all of a sudden you throw West Side Story in there. Here's what worked well for him being able to pull this movie off. First things first. So he collaborates with uh, Tony Kushner. Uh, Tony Kushner wrote the screenplay. Now, there's not much to write because this movie essentially follows the same storyline as the 1961 version. 
It's a Romeo and Juliet movie. It's the Jets and the Sharks. It's about territory. It's about fights. It's about, I don't want to say mobsters, but it's about gangs, right? None of that changed. So the, right. and, and when you then incorporate the music and the singing and the dancing into it, which also is very close to what you got in 1961, well, what else is there to do? I mean, the, the music of, of, you know, Leonard Bernstein and the late Stephen Sondheim, who passed away uh, late November, you talk about another American institution, and I'm not sure that he actually got to see the finished product, but it's his music that was in the 1961 version. So there's nothing original here that Spielberg had to do, per se, with a couple of exceptions. And here's what I like about it. The biggest criticism that most people have with the 1961 version is the fact that <clears throat> the ethnicity of the Puerto Ricans in the movie was not true to form, right? So Maria, who was one of the cornerstones of both films, was played in 1961 by Natalie Wood. Okay? Now, Natalie Wood is as white as Wonder Bread and as you and I, <laughs> but she played Maria. She played Maria in the movie, and if I'm not mistaken, she was up for a, a, a Best Acting nod uh, in, in that year that this movie won, I think, 10 Oscars, including Best Picture. But what they do is it was Spielberg's determination to hire actors that we've never heard of, and I ain't heard of any of these cats or sharks or jets, right, until they came on the big screen, with the exception being Rita Moreno. Uh, I get to Rita Moreno in a minute. Let me focus on the core characters because they all have the ethnic roots to the original story. Puerto Ricans, New Yorkers, it works very well. Here's what else works really well. Spielberg didn't go off script. So when you hear things like racial slurs being tossed out in a 2021 movie, which is taboo anymore. You know, we, we don't, we don't right. say, we don't say things right. like that anymore. Right. We don't talk about those things anymore. It's politically incorrect to, he left all of that off color language and those derogatory remarks in the movie. And I'm glad he did. So he stuck to the strip scripts. I mean, stuck, stuck to the original. To it. Absolutely okay. stuck to it. Right. And I'm glad he did because I thought he was going to soften it up. We 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 know that we know that Spielberg is, you know, he he's 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 got a social cause in addition to being one of the greatest producers and directors ever, and I and I respect that. But here's what didn't work in the movie, and that was a stretch. They they have a transgender character in the movie as as one of the gang members who ends up being a lookout and ends up doing the right thing by everybody so that to me was that was spielberg's you know social conscience being tossed out there and it was completely unnecessary it, it the, the 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 character wasn't needed the fact that that the character didn't identify with one particular sex over the other wasn't necessary was completely irrelevant and if you think that and if you think that this 55 year old is closed-minded I'll tell you that my 20-year-old daughter 
who took me to the movie to see it had the exact same impression and felt right. the exact same right. way, right? So that part of it didn't work. But money, that was such a minor flaw of the movie that it's, it's forgivable. It absolutely is forgivable. The best feature of the movie is the fact that they intertwine one small component of the old movie with the new, and that is Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno was in the 1961 version. Right. And obviously her character, she was not able to play it because it was 50 years ago. Right. right. She is a, an executive producer in the movie, and they wrote a role for her. They have her as the bodega's owner, who was a, a, a central character in the original film, his wife. Now, he has since passed away, but the wife picks up where he left off. And she gets some singing. She gets some dancing. She's, I don't know how old Rita Moreno <laughs> is, but she's 50 years older than she was in 1961. True, true. So being able to, you know, get I can, the switch, I can find out for you. I'll do the, the fact check. The switchblade out and the singing and the dancing and being that mobile, her days, her best days are probably behind her. But this role, she absolutely hit out of the park. She absolutely crushed it. And I would really hope that the Academy gives her a nod for best supporting actress because the role is that impactful into the rest of the story. The rest of the story is about these two gangs growing up uh, or, or, or trying to, to cohabitate in, in New York as New York is being developed. The Jets, the Sharks, there's a girl, there's a guy, the guy can't have the girl, the girl wants the guy, but the girl can't have the guy, and they bring it all together. And there's tragedy. And they're singing, and there's dancing, and this is a remake that I had very high expectations for, mm -hmm. and it delivered. Rita Moreno's character, absolutely a, a, a stroke of genius, and all the other actors that had their roles, you know, the, the, the kid that played Tony. The, the, the gal that played uh, Maria, right? So Ansel Elgort, Rachel Ziegler, Mike Faced, Michael Faced, who plays Riff. Good old Riff. His, 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 his face looks familiar. Um, and he's been in movies such as The Unspeakable Act, um, Panic, um, and Wildling. Uh, and he's and he's done uh, has done a bunch of uh, theater as well, and he he's been nominated for a Tony Award before, and that sort of conversion from being on stage into a movie that's based on a play is okay. a big plus. So I think the the Riff character um, as leader of the Jets was, aside from Rita Moreno's character, the best one on screen. Tony's great. Maria's great. Uh, Maria's roommate slash older big sister quasi. She was great. All of them did an above board job. They all were like B plus actors mm -hmm. in this movie. 
No one really stood out. No one hogged the limelight. No one was, was the focal point, except in a very, very subdued way, Steven Spielberg paid tribute to Marita Moreno being in this movie. You know, she she won the uh, Best Supporting Actress role in yes. 1961, and she is 90 years old, and she actually is held together pretty well. I mean, I just was looking at pictures of her now. Um, you know, she's, so she is, uh, you know, has, uh, she wowed people back in 1961 when you originally saw West Side Story. Um, obviously, I was not born yet, but when I finally did get to see it, um, you know, you're wowed by her. Now, did you said Spielberg, you know, kept a lot of original stuff in there. And I know we're audio, not video, but did, did they do the thumbs? Did they do the clicks? Of course. <laughs> do they do that dance where they bent over sliding backwards and forwards yes oh see now I they, they, they did they did all of that it's 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 honest to the original script now with the singing and the dancing and the language and the message so ansel elgort who played tony you don't, mm -hmm. you don't remember him no baby driver I thought he played in Baby Driver. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I thought he did really good in that movie. Uh, I thought he would be up and coming. I actually thought he was related to, but if their names are different, uh, the guy that played, um, oh, we, 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 your your daughter, uh, Liv, asked us to review it. Rocket Man. Uh, what's his name? Why am I blanking? Oh, um, Ed Edgerton. Ed Edgerton. Ed For whatever reason, I thought maybe they were like brothers or something, but uh, I, their names are close, but not the same. But um, but I liked I liked Ansel. So did he do okay in the movie? Oh yeah. As I said, the 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 core characters, you know, the Tony, right? Anita, Riff. All of them were they were all B plus. You know they were all above average. They 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 fit their roles very very well. They were likable characters. You understood the 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 strain that both sides were on, and it and it wasn't just about Tony and Maria. It really wasn't. I mean, I know Romeo and Juliet. That's what. It, but right. in in this, it's about all the other characters and how they all contribute to the story. And, and I think that it was. It was very, very well done. The, the The box office certainly doesn't support that notion, right? Because uh, it, it has made a fraction of of what the budget was. It's made about half of what the hundred million dollar budget was. Um, it generally gets it gets people's attention. Got my attention of all the movies to see. I was elated to go see this one absolutely elated to go see this one however uh it is a bit too long at two hours and 36 minutes they they, they could have this may sound mean but they could have taken the transgender character and eliminated all of that and the movie probably would have been about two hours and 15 so so it's only made half of its budget so you know Box office wise, obviously we, we're going to say it's not a financial success. However, um, 
it's getting great reviews, which is, you know, is it because of COVID? Is it because of the two hour and 30 minutes? I mean, there's a lot to be said with this. What do you think is really keeping it from, from getting that financial backing where people are coming through and getting it? Well, I think that, that, that begs a broader um, answer. And, and I think we, we may have stumbled onto to new trends in, in movie watching, whereas you and I both during the holidays in general, we, we, we love to go to the movies. Absolutely. We, yep. we always went to the movies. And the afternoon during the holidays that I went and saw this movie, it was a bright, sunny Wednesday afternoon or whatever it was around Thanksgiving. And Liv and I were the only two people in the theater. So I, I is it COVID? Sure. Uh, is it people's viewing habits are changing? Sure. Uh, are people streaming? Would they rather watch it in the comfort of their own living room? Probably. Hmm. Um, I just don't see, I, I quite frankly, am still amazed that there are a number of movie theaters that are still open and, and, and operating and are not losing money right and left um, based on the, the last three or four movies that I've gone to see and who's been in the theater with us. So I think right. the ha I think the habits are changing. I, I think that's part of it as well. But I do believe that that all of all of the the accolades that this movie is getting will ultimately there will be a few I think that come Oscar time it it, it it's probably going to it it's probably it's probably going to get there's going to be some traction right. So the 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 whether or not it, it lands in the best picture category maybe it was nominated for a golden globe in 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 in, in that you know in, in the equivalent um rachel ziegler uh who plays maria she was nominated for a golden globe as was ariana debose who played um anita right and in fact if i'm not mistaken um couple of a couple of those in fact all three of those nominations uh were winners the golden globes were canceled uh, or i should say suspended or shuttered or whatever vernacular we're using now they had them the list came out i just happened to look and sure enough west side story did win for best picture for the golden globes so i i dug a little bit here and so a couple things um, one, this was supposed to be released back in 2019 through through Walt Disney. This actually is as a Disney through uh, 20th Century uh, Studios. So Walt Disney is the backer on this. There was, um, it originally had been banned and still is in certain countries uh, because they wanted the transgender rule removed. And Disney said, no, I'm not going to do it. So so there goes your one of your issues that you have is you're not getting the worldwide box office um, and then it got postponed even more due to covid um so i think it, i think it got hit twice um obviously you know being banned uh by the the gcc it states the gg gcc in countries um and to give you an idea, the, that is the Corporation Council for Arab States of the Gulf, the Gulf Corporation Council. So they over there, they did not 
they in that part of the world they're not uh this is this movie's not being seen at all so oh, i'm sorry to be harsh but uh it, oh, well. <laughs> it's 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 much like anything that people will object to right if, yeah. if you don't care for it don't watch it well and that's yeah and then you know we we can go down that political road anytime because that's just how we are nowadays we we don't like something we boycott it we ban it we protest against it but it's unfortunate because this movie sounds by what you're saying you know it's gonna it's gonna be up for a lot of awards and it's it's not gonna make it for it to break even it has to hit the 300 million mark i'm reading this right now and it currently has 53 mil right uh even though the the budget to make it was 100 million thank you steven spielberg um because <laughs> you know he doesn't do anything light um you know, based on marketing and, and distribution, you got another two hundred million you gotta make up there and, and it's not gonna get there. But it's gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna get there. It's no. it's not gonna get there. It's gonna it's it, it's gonna be I don't wanna say it's gonna be forgotten. Um but there's so many other movies I mean once we get to award season and and you know you heard it here first folks <laughs> um we'll be all over uh, award season once we get there but there are too many other there are too many other issues in society right now that are clouding uh, how excited we get about award season and talking about movies like Monty and I do. Yeah, they've already postponed the Grammys, so we'll probably end up having to have something like this postponed or something go on. Um, I, I want to know that you know outside of of West Side Story being filmed uh, and based in Manhattan and Harlem and New York, basically. Uh, so having my movie, uh, or we always have that connect the dots, uh, my movie, uh, Many Saints of New York, being in New Jersey, um, or Newark, excuse me, um, there's also another connection. Did you know that, that there's another connection between Ooh, the two? Tell me. Who played Lieutenant Shrank? In West Side Story. Oh, um, and there was a bunch of buzz about that, too. Um. Oh, Lieutenant. His name is is Corey Stoll, who actually was in Many Saints of New York. Played, there you go. That's played, right. Played Uncle June, who was you know one of the main characters on The Sopranos. Um. So he uh, he played in that as well. So we have a little bit of a connection that one actor playing in two of the movies that we're review reviewing today. Um. Yeah. And just to wrap this one up. I do have to say that for the first movie of the new year and really thinking about this and, and having the expectations met, I don't want to say my expectations were exceeded as in, Oh my heavens, this is, this is, uh, this is the second coming of citizen Kane. No, mm -hmm. it's not the second coming of West side story, the 1961 version either, but it did meet my expectations and I was willing to give this a four fresh out of the box red vines rate. Nice. Nice. You know, I, I went to the movies the other day and we actually had to get red vines just for you. You, said, <laughs> you make it seem like that was some sort of hardship. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I've got it. And I, I, she said, what snacks do you want? And I said, well, I got my, my snow caps. Um, and then obviously my popcorn. And then I said, we have to get red vines. So we got red vines. Well, these are fresh out of the box. And yeah. it, it was a, for, for those of us that, 
generally have a negative uh, feeling towards redos, mm -hmm. uh, this one is worth uh, you, you sitting down for a couple of hours and hopefully enjoying. Well, I'm going to dance my way through the, the hall. You're going right right to yeah, finger so snap your way through. Uh, finger snap. <laughs> Speaking of dancing, um, the movie that we will do next. We're chanting. Chanting, yes, yes, it was. That's right. It was Sandra Bullock that was doing the dancing. It was, it was her doing the chanting. Um, we're heading down the road to say our goodbyes, similar to what we've done in the past. I did it when Rob Williams died. I, I, I watched RV that night uh, when Betty White passed. I put on the proposal because I think it was one of her funniest films that she did that I just absolutely loved her in. So we'll, we'll head off and we will uh, we'll review the proposal. Come on, Margaret, feel the rhythm of the drums. Now you. Me what? Chat. Chat what? Chat, whatever comes to you, it is the way. But I, I, don't, I don't know any well, chat. Well, the trees, use your vowels. E, O, O, E. Yes, chat. Yes, chat. Yes. E, the trees. To the universe. The universe. Ah, ah, universe. Yes. Ooh, to the crazy. Yes. To the window. Yes. Window. Yes. Wall. To the wall. To the to my balls. To all you bitches. Louder! Oh, to the window. Ron, I'll let you start off with this one. Well, this this movie is it falls generally it falls into that category of you know romantic comedy. Yeah. Right. And and it's got the it 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 has it has the the usual suspects in it. It it has America's sweetheart and and not Rod favorite Sandra Bullock, right? Wait, wait, America's sweetheart. I was going to say, are you saying Sandra Bullock or Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Well, touche, my friend, because I, I I dare say that that uh, that does cross gender lines, and uh, you know Ryan Reynolds is certainly. Since this movie, I think has really come into his own and and has has been in stride, um, and this was this was almost the vehicle to get. You get two a listers, if you will, and maybe Ryan Reynolds wasn't there just yet because this movie is what twelve years old now. It came out in two thousand nine, I think. Uh, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah. So the these two are in it, um, and and you throw in some other. You know, nice actors. You know, coaches in this. Craig T. Nelson is is in yep, this. Yep. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Ted Danson, Mary Steenburgen. She's in this movie. Wait, 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 wait. She's married to Ted Danson. Yeah, I did not know that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, I learned something new today. Yeah, you talk about a, a couple couple of real left fielders out there. Couple of real lib <laughs> liberals out there, right. but you know this, this was a this this was a, a another this is a Disney movie um, that that did well at the box office. Um, it was directed by um, Ann Fletcher uh, and was produced by uh, David Hoberman and Ted uh, Todd Lieberman, and the the cast is it's already there that's going to attract a lot of attention anyway. Oh. Oh, Sandra Bullock's in it. Oh, you must have, yeah, have yeah. to see it. And it's it's a fairly mild script about a young lady that is an executive editor in chief of a New York book publishing company, um, 
she is almost an outcast and not a very likable person. Um, and she's about to sh get shipped off back to her, her native Canada, and she she needs to she needs to to thwart that attempt, and she convinces her her uh, her assistant her her man secretary, played by the aforementioned Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, who's Canadian, to marry her, and and when this sham is essentially rolled out you get a meet the parents moment right so they're, they're all going back to meet um andrew's mother and here here it is his his grandmother played by uh the aforementioned betty white otherwise known as 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 gammy as gammy yep and she even felt up sandra bullock in the film <laughs> When she was fitting her for a wedding dress, looking for her boobs, I just thought that was a weird scene. It, there, there were we we generally we couldn't do this podcast without having some sort of of conversation about Betty White. Now we could go on for a couple of hours about the Golden Girls and Hot in Cleveland and Sue Ann Nivens and all that, but we're, we're reviewing movies here, and she doesn't have a lot of movie roles. No, but at the time that they fit in, I mean, this was twelve years ago, so she was eighty-seven at the time that she got this role. Yep, she continued to get the these these roles in television shows and movies. She did the Saturday Night Live hosting, you know, in two thousand twelve, which NBC um, graciously reran this past Saturday night, which I thought was really neat. Oh, I thought it was great. And she's got this bit role as Gammy, and she's out there in the woods, uh, you know, uh, dancing and chanting and being Betty White. So if you're this, say what you will about this movie, it, it's in that same, it's in that same category as... The romantic comedies of of uh, you know Julia Roberts and uh, who am I forgetting here? Um, Goldie Hawn and oh, you the, can go down that list. The list goes on and on and on. So while there are, are a, a handful of other movies th that I'd be willing to watch with either Ryan Reynolds and or. Mm, Okay, Sandra Bullock. We watched this simply okay. because we wanted to see Betty White again. All right, I, okay, I gotta ask, what's up with Sandra Bullock? What is it that you don't? What is it? You gotta give. There's gotta be something that she does that you're not a fan of. It, it, it the, these <laughs> these these romantic comedies that all just kind of meld together. Just they don't do anything. It's the same aversion that I have to Julia Roberts with the exception of Mystic Pizza and the exception of Aaron Brockovich. And I'll give Sandra a pass uh, for, uh, what was the football movie? Blindside. Blindside, right? What about Speed? But she was great in Blindside. And she was, good. she was good in Speed as well. But then uh, it, it, everything else, just, I, I just, it's the same. Uh, and I, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not a fan. I got you. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm just not a fan, but we watched this to watch Betty White on the right. big screen, even though I'm sure you want to watched it on the little screen like we did. And it was, it's one of those movies that, oh, it's on, Let, let's, let's, let's laugh at her chanting and dancing and getting, you know, right. Margaret to, to, to dance and chant, uh, only for Andrew to, you know, to, to, to come in and cat, you know, catch her mm-hmm. while she's in and have, have, make a little fun of her. <laughs> I I just her the way she she played this role even you know and again I I'm trying to go back here just real quick to look at uh any of these movies that she's done she has not done very many films Toy Story 4 she did a voice in it Lake Placid she had a really small role but I go back she was played in the love boat she was on Ugly Betty she you talk about a range for Betty White voiceovers for spongebob voiceovers uh for um family guy you know the simpsons she's done so many voiceovers and you know then you go back and she was on you know the 70s show malcolm in the middle it's just your you know community and then bones you know she's the merrily tyler moore you know love boat again again and we all know her from golden girls even though she didn't do a lot of movies she just she did have a good range, you know, doing this from comedic to drama to to everything that she's done. She has over 124 credits um, and, and she filled our screens and our our theater screens and our in our television screens with joy for, gosh, 90 some years. It seemed. I think that she really is America's sweetheart. She is. Not and, Bullock, but she is. And, <laughs> you know her what she did even at a young age you know in the 50s she did a television show called life with elizabeth that it it broke all sorts of trends back at the time because you just did women weren't supposed to be funny right think think of all those 50 sitcoms where the 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 female lead was essentially the, the the good housewife you know june cleaver donna reed the list goes on and on and on. Um, uh, oh, what's the show with Robert Young um, and Jane Wyatt? Um, oh, help me. Help me with this. Um, I digress, right? But did you know, speaking of things that you may not have known about, did you right. know that originally Betty White was supposed to be Blanche? On the you, Golden Girls. You know, you talked about that the other day, and I didn't. I could not see her play that role. Well, it it they moved away from that because uh, it would have been so close to the Sue Ann Nivens character that right. she played, the tainted harlot, mm-hmm. on the Mary Tyler Moore show. She she might have been she she might have been Ray Liotted. She yeah. might have been you know she might have been a, a typecast, but she just had even when she played a little old lady as a little old lady you watched right right now did you know there's to give you a thing she's won a few primetime emmys and the saturday night live that you mentioned that episode she won um for outstanding cat uh, guest actress in a comedy series she won a primetime emmy in 2010 for that she i also, did not know that yes and she also won outstanding guest actress in a comedy series in 1996 for the john letterkett show she won for outstanding lead actress in a comedy series 1986 the golden girls the and golden she girls won 
um, not once, but twice, 70, uh, 76 and 75 for a supporting actress role in Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. So, you know, and that that's just your primetime Emmys. You can get into, you know, daytime Emmys that she has won. Uh, you can get into BAFTA. You can get American Comedy Awards. She has tr a tremendous amount of awards that she's won but she won five prime time and she had 34 other wins along with 40 nominations uh for all the stuff that she's done over her career well everybody has a positive thing to say about betty white N nobody better be talking not bad about <laughs> betty white right and everything has been very and and i've i've taken that a step further and, and I've said, you know, if 2022 is going to be remembered for anything, it should really be about being like Betty. You know, be like Betty. Right. Whether you're an animal rights activist or you, you get a gig and you're able to, to, to max out your, your professional um, endeavors, which she did. I mean, she always was amazed that she, she continued to get these roles. But who wouldn't want her? You know, she was on Boston Legal. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even know she was on the John Larroquette show because I had kind of forgotten that there was a John right. Larroquette show. But as you said, her range and her ability to to move in it, she could host Saturday Night Live. She could be Gammy. Yep. She could be Sue Ann Niven. She could be Rosen Island. She could be in, in Lake Placid. The fact that that sort of, of dynamic presence is now gone is really a loss it, it, and it and it saddens me it really does sadden me because i i just can't think of of anyone else that has the sorts of stature right that's right. been able to do a number of different things i mean the movies thing is probably on her page two versus her page one television credits and whatnot right <laughs> but it yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't under it doesn't undermine or discount what she was to entertainment right nope and she will be she'll be greatly missed but she did live a wonderful life a, a long wonderful life and that she did and it's a shame that she did not make it to that centennial to that 100 uh, year mark i know there was a lot of of uh, there was a lot of talk about that uh around the holidays mm -hmm. it's a, it's a shame she did not make it but um let's hope that we can keep this moving along and and not forget about her as we have a tendency in society to be pretty myopic the, the minute that we 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 get something in our head or in our heart and it seems like tomorrow afternoon it's gone i haven't i've thought about betty white every day or i've looked at a youtube clip uh from something whether it was uh you know a match game when she was on match game or uh password with with alan ludden her husband um even some of her old you know animal shows that that right. she she used to host in you know an, an wow. animal an animal rights show back in the 70s remember when i don't know if you know she had her own variety show or, or you know and one of the things that came out is that she had a um, African-American, I think it was a, a tap dancer on there. And they told her to get rid of them. They, and she told them to kiss off. Yeah. Because she, you know, they told me because he was African-American. And she said, no. And she kept him on and she did the show with him. And, you know, obviously, you know, people are trying to point that that was the reason why her show was canceled shortly after is because she stubbed her nose up against the big bosses 
um, because she didn't believe in, you know, in that. And she wanted, she believed in everybody was equal. It shows you a lot about her right there because she stood up and this was back in the seventies that she stood up for that. So I, I love seeing that. And I, I too have saw a lot of clips. I saw her playing beer pong with Jimmy Fallon uh, not too long ago. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I loved her in her Snickers commercial where she's playing tackle football and she gets tackled. Obviously we know that's not her, um, but it was, it's cute to see that and to see her out there doing those types of commercials as well. She she was just a fun person. She really seemed it, and I, like you said, I haven't heard a bad thing about her. Not one. No, no, not 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 at all. And at ninety nine, still having the sort of wherewithal mm-hmm. and the presence that she did up uh, up to her last public appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, and and talking about things like you know the secret to staying uh, living a long life is avoid eating anything that's green. Well, you know, I mean, that's that's just brutal honesty and, and no joke, right? There's always been th- this this yarn spun about the fact that, you know, she 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 drank vodka and, and favored hot dogs, right? That that was the other part of her secret. And I read last week that after that Saturday Night Live appearance at the after party, mm. which she was the last person to leave, she ordered vodka and hot dogs. <laughs> to enjoy at that party, which is just, I mean, talking about a, a, an original, Betty, let, let's just hope we are able to do you right as, as we try and navigate through this crazy world moving forward without you. Amen to that. So next, next week, um, you know, we, we, speaking of people who have passed, um, we've talked about tipping our hat to Sidney Poitier. Did I say that right? Is it Portier? Portier? Portier, yeah. Portier. It's Portier, right? Yeah. Yeah. So being the first uh, African American to uh, to win an Oscar, um, in for Lilies was it Lilies on the field? Lilies in the field, and then uh, his comedy Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which we remade with Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher, um, called Guess Who, which was. Me, just so you guys know, filmed at one of my hotels. Uh, oh. But uh, we can talk about that next week. I would certainly hope to. There is a catalog of credits for Sidney Poitier. Uh, and, and guess who's coming to dinner in particular um, is, is, one, uh, is, is one that, that I uh, relate to. Um, <laughs> because it Not just because of, of the Sidney Poitier character. Uh, in the movie, but the other cast. So he, that one definitely is going to be on there, but we got plenty to choose from and we'll, we'll certainly, certainly um, pay, pay testament to one of America's greatest, greatest actors. And and we will put out on a, on our podcast, uh, social media page on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're going to put out um, your top pick of Sydney Poitier films just to see which one your favorite is. So we're going to put about a handful out there that we feel is high rated. And you guys let us know which one you think. We won't. We might not review it, but it we'll just see, be a fun thing to, to see what everyone says. It, it'll be really interesting to, to see what our audience uh, is willing to, to pony up as, as their favorite. There are, there are so many that are out there, as I said, that we're going to get some really good suggestions. And we, right. we, we, might, we, mm. we, we, we might have to go off course what we're thinking about doing originally. Yep, yep. We'll keep you guys updated on all our social media websites. Always look for Two 
Real Reviewers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember that you can always listen to this podcast uh, at any time that you want through our podcast partners, including Apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. Google, and our friends over there at iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. All right. Well, it looks like we're wrapping this one up. How did you feel? How did it feel being back in the saddle? It is absolutely nowhere else I would rather be talking about movies than doing this with you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, working with me to get this back on track. And I look forward to our, our next edition as well. Sounds good. Until then, we are two real reviewers. You'll hear us next week. Thank you.